0: All right, so how many times have you clicked that little box on a website or on the app that says, yes, I've read the terms of service. Yeah, I agree to all of it. How many times have you checked that box online? How many times have you checked that box, right? How many times did you actually read it? Did you read it? No, of course you didn't. Because that thing's like five miles long, and you have a life. Nobody reads those things. We just check it. Maybe you ought to start, though. I just saw this story, and uh, this is what could happen for you if you actually read the terms of service in the agreement. Last summer, a travel insurance company planted a little paragraph inside that two-mile-long thing, and it said this. This is a contest that rewards the individual who reads their policy information from start to finish. If you are the first one to contact us, you may be awarded the Pays to Read prize of $10,000. I don't know if they just stuck that in there thinking nobody's gonna read this thing, but they didn't count on people like and Andrews. Donalyn is a high school teacher. She's a self-described geek who reads the fine print. So when she signed up for her travel insurance, she printed it out, stapled it together, read the entire thing, got to the thing that said, you know, contact us. She sent them an email, got a phone call back the next day. Congratulations, Donalyn, you won $10,000, and here she is. Aren't So now how many of you are gonna read the agreements now? <laughs> I will be, I just think this is cool good for her. She's using the money to take a trip to Scotland. It's just a great thing. But how many of you think, well, even if I saw something like that anywhere, I would just assume it was too good to be true. You ever say that? Like, oh, yeah, this is just a scam. They're just, you know, it's not really going to happen. Like, we, we know this. We've been conditioned by now. The internet's been around for a long time. Oprah Winfrey is not going to send you to Disney if you share that Facebook post, right? You know, Instagram is not going to take possession of all your posts if you don't, you know, do something. It's just, we know. But there are times when things are true, and you can miss them if you're not paying attention. And it may actually seem to be too good to be true, but it is true. Have you seen the show on Netflix, Inside Bill's Brain? Probably nobody has, but uh, it's actually a cool show. It's about Bill Gates, and uh, you know this about Bill and Melinda Gates. They're like the third richest people in the world and uh, would be the richest if they hadn't already given away 36 billion dollars of their wealth and continuing to do that. One of the things that Bill talked about that he's actually surprised about, uh, because he's, uh, just make sure you understand this, they're very generous people, and they're really trying to make a difference in the world. I went to some researchers and said, what's one of the big diseases that continues to plague the world that doesn't have to? The answer came back, polio, He said, how much would it take to eradicate polio from the world? And the answer was $200 million, and he wrote a check for $400 million. He get rid of this. So everybody knows they're generous. There is a foundation explicitly set up to give away money, and yet he's surprised at how many times people don't want his money. He has sent grant proposals to various prestigious universities, one of which is about a project to increase sanitation in developing third-world countries, emerging countries, and he says he can't believe how many colleges and universities have simply not even acknowledged the letter. I don't know, maybe they're just looking at it saying, it just sounds too good to be true. Sure, Bill Gates is giving away millions of dollars to some project. No, it's, but the thing is, sometimes things that seem too good to be true actually are true. Case in point, what we're looking at in this series and what we're going to be looking at today, God's gracious and free gift of salvation is not too good to be true. It feels like it, but the fact that God is willing to wipe away everything you've ever done that was wrong, everything you ever will do to give you an eternity in heaven and a real place and a real body, that's real. Uh, Let's go ahead and just read the fine print. Got a Bible? Find Galatians. We're going to go back where we started two weeks ago in this series, How to Ruin Your Faith in Six Easy Steps. Uh, We learned the gospel message is so simple. Paul stated it so simply uh, in this, in Galatians 1, 4. Jesus gave his life for our sins, just as God our Father planned, in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. All glory to God forever and ever. Amen. And that's the gospel. It's so simple. It's what we talked about first week. If you want to ruin your faith, which we don't want to do, this is the contrarian's guide. Uh, We actually want to say, how do we nurture and maintain our faith with God? Well, you you don't walk away from that gospel, that free gift. And if the brain is telling you, it just seems too good to be true that God would just let all of that go, that Jesus really died for my sins. I know it seems too good to be true, but it is the truth. It is the most foundational thing that you'll ever find. God has given you this. It's, it was true 2,000 years ago when Paul wrote these words. It's true 2,000 years later today. And we actually, we have the transcript of the very first sermon that Paul preached to this, the Galatian region, So you want to stay in Galatians, just go back over to Acts. And it's, Acts is a history of the early church. And we find, actually, Paul's first sermon. Luke, who wrote Acts, transcribed some of it for us. And so they were, um, they were in Antioch. It's a different Antioch than... Uh, we'll just call this Pisidian Antioch. It's in the region of Galatia. This is not the one that was in Syria. So we talked about that, I think, last week when we were talking about don't be a hypocrite. Uh, so this one, we can go over to Acts 13, and we just have the words that Paul very first preached to the Galatian region. He said in Acts 13, 38, and 39, Brothers, listen. We're here to proclaim that through this man, Jesus, there's forgiveness for your sins. Everyone who believes in him is made right in God's sight, something the law of Moses could never do for you. And then watch how the people in that town in Antioch responded down in verse 42. As Paul and Barnabas left the synagogue that day, the people begged them to speak about these things again next week. Many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, the two men urged them to continue to rely on the grace of God. And the following week, almost the entire city turned out to hear them preach the word of the Lord. What a powerful impact. This is the gospel being preached to them. the good news that God is for you, not against you. He's willing to forgive your sins. They responded in a great way. And this story repeated itself all across Galatia as Paul and Barnabas went to city after city and talked about Jesus. Now, there was the opposition as well, and that emerged as soon as Paul would leave. But uh, this is just a great thing. There are people all across that region in what we now know as southern Turkey who listened to the good news of Jesus. They responded to the message. They were immersed in water and baptism, and they have an eternity in heaven right now. There are brothers and sisters that we have from this region that are in heaven right now that we'll get to meet because Paul preached the gospel, and they responded. Um, But after Paul and Barnabas left, almost immediately, other leaders came into these churches and they started to teach the people in these churches things that were contrary to what Paul had told them about the, the true nature of the gospel. And these were Jews who had become Christians, but it still clung to their Jewish faith. And it was bigger than just saying, you know, we just got to hold to the Ten Commandments. They wanted everyone who was, wanted to become a Christian to, first of all, follow all the Jewish laws and customs, and like the dietary things and everything about that. And they, they told these people that Paul had just said, it's a, simply a gift, you just accept it. And they came in and said, well, Paul had it mostly right. But you know, God really wants you to work for it too. You gotta really, these, these things that we were taught as Jews growing up, those things still matter to God. And we gotta be careful that we don't just, you know, abuse God's grace. So we gotta make sure that we really toe down and, and, and toe the line. And there's something in human beings that go, I knew it was too good to be true. I knew it was more than just accept God's gift and that's it. And there's something that in them that Paul was just so concerned about because he starts to get word back from these churches. There's people coming into the church who are teaching something that's contrary to the gospel that you taught. And what he's so concerned about with these people and these friends is, man, these, my friends are being tricked into walking away from the best thing that ever happened in their life. They're being deceived. There's this good news gospel that's not really good news at all. It's telling, taking them right back to where they came out of. And so you go back to Galatians 1, 6, and 7. That's why Paul used such strong language when he said to them, you know, I'm shocked that you're turning away so soon from God who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. Um, You're following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but it's not the good news at all. You're being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ why he wrote this letter, Galatians 2.4. He says, look, some so-called believers, false ones, really snuck in to spy on us and take away the freedom that we have in Christ. They want to enslave us and force us to follow their Jewish regulations. And then we get to what we're going to study today. If you've got your worship folder, it's uh, Galatians 3.1 through 5. Paul says, O foolish Galatians, who's cast an evil spell on you? For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you'd seen a picture of his death on the cross. Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. How foolish can you be? After starting your Christian lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain, was it? I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It's because you believe the message you heard about Christ. And You go on over to Galatians 4.10, and Paul again just says to them, look, look you are trying to earn favor with God by observing certain days or months or seasons or years. It will not work. That's why the title of the message today is, you know, if you want to ruin your faith, just try to earn your own way. It's a Dead End street. People have tried it. Why would you do that? And if you think Paul is overreacting and this language seems a little harsh to you, like, foolish. Other places he says you're bewitched and people are fooling you. Are you idiots is kind of what it comes across to us. And you think, like, why is he talking this way to them? If you, It's like the analogy I used in the first week. If you see your child or a child that you're babysitting sprinting toward the street and there's a trash truck coming at full speed, will you not freak out just a little bit? This is how Paul feels for these Christians. It's how God feels for any of us when he offers us this amazing gift of salvation and it's free, you just take it. And then someone comes along and says, not so fast. I think what God's really trying to say to you is that you gotta work for it. It's a gift, but there's strings attached. Paul says they're twisting the gospel because this good news gospel is not a gospel at all. You've taken it entirely out of the the ballpark of just receive the gift and you've put it back in to earn your salvation and that doesn't work because the good news is Jesus died for us. Jesus was buried. Jesus rose again. Jesus appeared to people. Jesus promises to come back and take us. And you just receive that. And God offers that grace to you, and you just accept it. And it seems so simple that there is something within us that says, when someone comes along and goes, well, I think it's, yes, grace and. Yeah, Jesus and. You better make sure you're okay. There's something in us that just goes, I knew it. Because nothing in life is free, nothing in life that's really good is just given to you. If it's too good to be true, it probably is. I know we're so cynical and with probably good reason, but this is a case where we, we can't really let go of the true faith that says, no, you don't have to earn it. See, God's not gonna be happier with you just because you start doing more good things. But there's something in us that thinks that's how it is. It's something you're going to have to fight against because we're at risk of the very same things that the Galatians were at risk of buying into. If we're not careful, in 2020, we can make the same choices and God can say, I'm just as concerned for you. I'm scared for you. Because maybe and maybe you had an experience of this and you've heard this or you grew up in a church where it was this, it was uh, Jesus and something else. And it wasn't ever actually stated that way. It's just that you kind of got the feeling that It's Jesus and I better behave myself because if I do too many bad things this week, I better hope I make it to communion the next week and make it to church the next week before, you know, I die. So there's just something in us that believes that. Maybe you had the experience of Jesus and you better have a quiet time every day. (laughs) How long has it been since you read your Bible? And you start to think that's gonna impact your relationship with God in a way that makes you, maybe I'm not part of the family this week. Maybe it's grace and I better get to church every week. I better not miss mass. I better, I better make it yeah, the other way I've been living. Uh, it's, it's grace and, it's Jesus and social justice. If you don't care about the cause of the undertrodden and the people who are oppressed, then God doesn't have any time for you. Grace and, just fill in the blank. You better not play cards. You better not dance. You better not have more than one beer. You better not have any beer. Grace and, you better not drink, smoke, chew, any. Just fill in the blank with all the things that churches have done. And we've subtly suggested it's Yeah, grace, but it's also your behavior. Jesus saying you better vote for the right person. This is our problem too. This is not just something 2,000 years ago. Why is this such an issue for us? I think there's a few things here. Maybe you've got some more and you can share them with me later. Let me just give you a few things to think about why we're so susceptible to just thinking, thinking there's more to it than just accepting this gift. Grace and something else is measurable, and we like things that we can measure. Some of us are very task-oriented, and I want to check those boxes. I want to see that I'm making progress. I want to see the weight go down, the bench press go up. I want to see the, the, my work team is accomplishing and hitting our targets. And we just bring that attitude to salvation. I want to know exactly what it is I need to do so then I can measure it, and I can say, yeah, I'm okay because I've been to church 50 out of 52 weeks. I've been given pretty strongly. I've been doing my quiet times. I did the Mark thing in, in uh, January where we read through Mark. I did all of that, so I'm pretty sure today I'm doing all right. It's, it's something about us just likes to have that list, to, to comp- compare ourselves and to measure ourselves. I was talking to a friend of a friend uh, year, years ago actually, I was talking to a friend who was telling about me about their friend, who just completely walked away from the Christian faith. How do you do that? So my friend was talking to their friend, and finally the, that came around. Like, how do you walk away from this? And her answer was, what I'm doing now is just easier. They, just, they tell me what to do. And I know exactly where I stand with them. I'm, I'm either in or I'm out. But I, I like just having that sense of, I know where I'm at in this moment. I mean, I, I, that works for her for now, she walked away from the best thing that ever happened to her. I pray that she comes back because that's not what God wants and that's not the gospel. And you've stopped trusting Jesus when you start trusting how you stack up to a set of expectations. It's even more than that though. Sometimes this grace and earn it message resonates with us because it puts us in control. I'm not just depending on God anymore. It's something that I have the hand on now. It's it's very humbling to ask Jesus for help and just to trust anyone else to do something for you. We want to be able to say, like, I did it myself. Did I read my Bible? Check. Did I go to church? Yes. Did I, you know, I'm feeling like I'm not quite measuring up, so I'm just going to add a little more Joy FM to the rotation, a little less Casey, a little more, you know, and then I'm okay. That's going to kind of bring me up to par again. Um, I managed not to cuss on Highway K this week, so that's pretty good. We like to be in control. You know, another thing about this is this is not pretty, and we're not supposed to do this, but grace and something else gives us a way to compare ourselves to other people. You never compare yourself to other, you just compare yourself to the standard that God sets for us, and am, am I moving toward Him or not, but When I know it's grace and all these other things, I can go, well, I may not be perfect, but I'm better than all those people, better than all the people who are, thank you for watching online, but everybody in here is judging you right now because we're here and you're not. That's the attitude, right? It's not, we really, we love you all. But that's the thing. We do. We compare ourselves to each other, and we kind of say, or or we make ourselves feel horrible because we see somebody else, and we don't know everything about their life and their faith, but we just do this all the time. And uh, it's like we judge each other. It reminds me of something Jim Gaffigan, the comedian, was talking about. Like, you ever see somebody coming out of McDonald's, and he says, oh, I didn't know I was better than you. Except everybody eats at mcdonald 's, but it 's kind of like the, this meme here I saw you know um, sorry i 'm better than you," and by sorry, I mean ha ha We just like to compare ourselves to other people, and when it 's grace and you get your ranking, but this doesn 't end well when you do this because you 've walked away from the gospel. It's what Paul talked about in Galatians chapter 3, verse 10. He says, Those who depend on the law to make them right with God are still under his curse. For the scriptures say, Cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book of the law. So it's clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. For the scriptures say it is through faith that a righteous person has life. And Paul was very clear when he wrote to the Roman Christians as well. Romans 3.20 said, No one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law is simply there to show you how sinful you are. The checklists don't work. But salvation, by the grace of Jesus, it does. And in this way, the Christian faith, I'm not knocking other religions, but I'm going to tell you this. You're not going to find this message in any other religion in the world. And this is an overly simplistic view of some of the religions of the world, and I hope that I'm presenting them fairly. But in my understanding, if you want to talk about salvation in Islam, your good deeds better outweigh your bad deeds. If you want to talk about what salvation, quote unquote, looks like in Buddhism, uh, you have to live in a proper and a right manner in order to attain nirvana. You talk about Hinduism, And you have to be cleansed through works and through knowledge and devotion. But the problem even with Hinduism is nobody ever really knows exactly where that finish line is and when they've reached that mark. Confucianism, salvation, basically you cease to exist. But what you're looking for here is appropriate behavior, fulfilling your obligations to others. And that's what salvation looks like. In Mormonism, it's extra grace works. It's only in the Christian faith that you find God has done everything for you through Jesus Christ. He's done all the work, And he simply wants you to accept it and live in it. I like what Paul said here in Galatians 3, verse 13 and 14. Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoings. For it's written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham so that we who are believers might receive the promised spirit through faith. Now, I know the question here might be that you were wrestling with, okay, so if salvation is simply a gift that we receive and we don't earn it, we just receive it, and God's grace is going to cover everything we've ever done and everything we're doing and everything we're going to do, what's to stop somebody from just going, well, then I just don't care what I do. I'm just going to do whatever I want because God will forgive it. It's okay, right? That's a good question. It's okay to ask that question in church, and it's what we're going to get into next week. Does it just not matter that God has said this is off limits? It really does matter. But it doesn't matter as in whether or not you're saved. I like what Tim Keller said as he he kind of splits the difference here. He says, religion says, I obey, and then I'm accepted. Uh, The message of Jesus, the gospel says, I am accepted, therefore I obey. Completely different perspective. And we will get into this week after next about what do you do? How do you respect God's law? Because it's 10 commandments didn't go away. It's just, we got to understand them in the proper perspective of what they do for us and what they don't. Because there is a gap between who I am and who I should be. It's the same thing for you. There's a gap between who I, you know, what I believe and how I behave and who I ought to be and who I actually am. The, the question though is not, you know, is there a gap or not? We, we don't, Want to pretend like there's not a gap? That's what we talked about last week. That's where, the gap is where hypocrisy grows when you pretend like it doesn't exist. The question here today is who closes that gap between who I am and who I should be co- and who I should become? And the message of the gospel is God closes that gap, and we cooperate with Him. The Holy Spirit teaches us to to be consistent with who we are and what we believe and who we're becoming, and we cooperate with that. And like what uh, Pastor Tim Keller says, uh, or Tim Harlow, I'm sorry, he said there are some Chuck Norris Christians who just feel like it's on their own to, to figure out how to close this gap between themselves and God and how to behave themselves and to make themselves holy. He says, these Chuck Norris Christians study their Bibles in hopes of taking down any unsuspecting Jehovah's Witnesses who show up at their doorstep on Saturday morning. Apologies to Jehovah's Witnesses. For them, the church becomes a place of contest to see who's the most holy, who's memorized the most Bible verses to have the last word, who's witnessed to the most people, who has the most rig- regular quiet time, who has prayed the most And then at the other extreme are those Christians who object to any call for effort or discipline because they think human effort's opposed to grace. Can we bridge that gap between us and God with human effort? No. Not a chance. You and I need God's grace to do this. God's grace is not just forgiveness. God's grace is the energy to become the people He wants us to be. And you don't want to say no to that. I love something uh, Professor Dallas Willard, an author, Dallas Willard, often said. He'd say and I'm paraphrasing this, we often think of sinners needing God's grace, that we are saved through God's grace and and we become one of God's saints. He says, that's yes, a sinner needs God's grace to be forgiven, but once you become a Christian and you are a saint of God, you need far more grace to live every day. And I love how he says it, a Christian burns through grace, like a 747 burns through jet fuel. And we might run out of petroleum some point in the future, but we're never running out of God's grace. It's gonna always be there for you. You don't ever wanna turn away from that. You know, I think if you're a Christian this morning and there is a voice in your head that tells you, if I don't get my act together, I'm this close to God just saying, I'm done with you. If there's a voice in your head that says, you're just not gonna make the cut, there's a voice in your head that says you don't measure up, that you're never going to be what you should be. I ask you to think about who that voice is coming from. Does that sound like something your heavenly father would say to you? Now, I've felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And if you're a Christian, I'm sure you have too. You may have not have recognized it as what it is. But I will tell you, I know, and it's a heavy thing to feel the Holy Spirit telling me, Brian, you should do this. Brian, you should say this. Brian, you should go apologize. Brian, you should not do that conviction, but it's never condemnation. Pastor Kevin Miller says there's like an early warning light that should go off in the dashboard of your mind anytime uh, and it should make you pause and act and ask yourself, am I moving away from the simple gospel? And, And I'll tell you what it is in a second, but you need to listen for this because it's possible that you've already seen this warning light go off and just didn't recognize what it was, that this is you stepping away from the grace of God. The warning light is this, when you think to yourself, I'm not a very good Christian, When you start thinking that, you're starting to think like, you're back in the ballpark of, it's on me, it's on my behavior, it's on what I do and what I don't do, and honestly, it's not always that good. We think I'm not a very good Christian for one of two reasons. Either there's some things that I knew I should have done that I didn't do, or there's some things I knew I shouldn't have done and I did, and either one of those will... I haven't been reading my Bible like I know I should have. I haven't been to church as many times as I should have been. I haven't been as generous as I know I ought to be. I haven't been keeping my temper under control. I haven't, whatever... I'm not a very good Christian. The grace of God did not go away for those three weeks that you didn't have a quiet time. It's always been there for you and it always will be. And on the contrary, there's some things maybe you're appalled by, by yourself. You promised God, I'll never do this again. I'll never go there. I'll never get involved with that person again. And you did. You did. Uh, There's things that you said and swore you would do and you didn't do and you made these commitments and you're like, okay, I'm just not a very good Christian. I guess I'm just, it doesn't work for me. I mean, it works for everybody else at church because look at them, they're all perfect. I'm the only messed up person at church. (laughs) Everybody thinks that. Um, You're drifting away from the gospel. Hang on because the message of God's grace is he already paid for all of that. It's gonna be okay. Just trust him. I like what Paul Zoll says, grace is love that seeks you out when you have nothing to give in return. Grace is love coming at you that you had nothing to do with. Grace is being loved when you are unlovable. It is being loved when you are the opposite of lovable. And David Prince writes about a family that adopted a child from an orphanage in another country. And I won't go into detail, but what that child experienced in the orphanage was just awful. So when this family brought her home to their place in the States. They just went through a, you know, you're part of our family now, and here's some of the family rules. Here's some of the expectations we have for you. One of the things they just said in passing was, why don't you keep your room clean? That kid latched onto that. This is the way that I get to stay. I got to keep my room clean. So she would come up every morning before her parents got up, and she would clean her room, make her bed. You can kind of see what kind of a mess the orphanage must have been, that this is the thing she thinks Every day, she'd she'd be sitting on her bed, fully dressed, everything's all put away, and uh, her parents, her new parents, her adoptive parents would walk in, and she'd say, my room is clean. Can I stay? Do you still love me? Over time, she came to realize that her place in that family had absolutely nothing to do with keeping her room clean or anything else. She came to realize, my parents, my new parents love me no matter what. In fact, she even got to the point where she realized when my parents disciplined me, that's actually evidence that I belong here. It has nothing to do with what I do or don't do. It was their choice to bring me into their family, and that's never going to go away. Listen to what Paul wrote to the Galatians in chapter 3, verse 26. You are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus, and all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. It's all God wants from you. He wants you to trust him. He wants you to accept his son, Jesus Christ, accept what he did for you, just live in that. Sure, do we want to behave ourselves? Absolutely. God is my father. I don't want to embarrass him. I don't want him to be ashamed of what I do, and you don't either, but it's a whole different perspective than, I better be good today, or tomorrow I might be out on my own. And the love of the Father is eternal. And he knew you before you were born, and he loves you, and he wants you. And if you're in God's family, rest in that. And if you are not yet a Christian, this is literally why we exist, to help people get connected to God and to other people through Jesus. Today would be an amazing day for you to take action with this. If you are a Christian and you've seen that warning light going off, I don't think I'm a very good Christian, stop it. (laughs) Stop it. You don't have to earn your way. You've already got everything. It's all yours. Jesus is your brother. God is your father. And you're going to be okay. Follow the Holy Spirit's lead. If you're not a Christian today, at the I'm going to pray for us. And we invite you to continue this conversation. Just come on up and say, I'm ready to be baptized into Jesus. I'm ready to do whatever it is I need to do next. Would you stand with me and let me pray for you? And whatever it is you need to do next, whatever conversation you need to have, don't leave here without doing that. Father, I want to thank you for the grace that you've extended to us. I don't deserve it. None of us do. But we live in it, and we're thankful for it. Thank you so much that despite who we are and what we've done, you've brought us forgiveness and healing, and there's so much mercy. I ask that you would just help us to accept that, to live in it, to fully know that your love goes beyond anything we can imagine. And I pray that you'll move us to to take action, to do things, to confess things, to to find that health and healing and wholeness as we turn away from sin and turn to you. I pray you just continue to fill this church with people who need to hear that message. And I pray this all in Jesus' name, amen. If there's anything you wanna talk about, I'm so glad you were here today. And if you uh, would like to continue the conversation, this is Dave Fales, he's one of our elders, and he'll be here and we'll be here to pray with you or talk as much as you need. Otherwise, God bless you all and have a great day. Get yeah. here. Yeah.